Hey friends, this is Pastor Freddie T, pastor of Real Life Church in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for listening to the podcast. JV and I are back on, kicking off a brand new year. And I just want to say Happy New Year. I hope your holidays uh, were blessed. Uh, I pray that 2023 is a year of God's great favor on your life. Uh, Thank you for listening to the podcast. This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast. JV, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Fred. Is this our first podcast of the new year? It is. It's no way. Since Christmas, I think. Is it really? It's our first podcast of the new year. Yeah, I think so. How are you doing this morning? Good. Sleepy Happy this Tuesday morning. morning. My little girl woke me up right out of a dead sleep at 6.00 this morning. Yeah. That you, sounds like a late uh, arrival. I mean, a late rising for you. Yeah, I'm usually oh, kind of stirring at 5.30. I gotcha. Whew, middle She's of the like, dream. Daddy, wake up. She's, Daddy, wake up. It's podcast. I was like, Oh gosh, I gotta get up. Uh yeah. So anyway, it's a beautiful morning out there. Yeah. Sunrise, Chris clouds cool. dancing in the sky. Yeah. Yeah, man. Hey, you guys went on a trip for Chris after Christmas, New Year's, your family to Phoenix. So Rachel was reliving it last night with a picture on Instagram with this funny little thing about me on a horse. So, you know, every seems like every trip I have to go on a horse. It was January, no, it was last spring. Remember, I preached and I had me a picture of me on a horse. Seems like everywhere I go, I have him on a horse with a hat. But there's an inside joke to this. What is the inside joke to you and the horse? I don't know. She, Nella loves riding horses. And Nella so, does. Oh, Nella. Yeah, she, she's, that's right. She takes lessons. She's taking and, horse riding lessons. And but you can't stand Do a horse. you enjoy it? I mean, it's what, 4,000 pound beast underneath you that could just drag you all across the world and like no, you do not drop you it. off the side of a cliff? Maybe this is the and inside this is joke. Fun. Is that you? You don't like riding horses. <laughs> I can't but. stand it. <laughs> when, was, when was the last time you were on a horse? Exactly. Uh, Do you know how bad your you know <laughs> other other sunder f- parts feel when you're bumping down on a horse uh, on rocks? It's awful. But uh, you did it for your kids. I love the it. things we do uh, for your kids. It, um, you guys were over in Phoenix for a few days. Phoenix. This was your first time in Phoenix. First time in Phoenix. It was. A grand place. Um, so you told me you could I, I, there. Now I know God really did call you to Clarkston. How, <laughs> how could you have left such a grand right? place? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty dreamy over there. Now, now here's the thing is you didn't visit during the summer. <laughs> we visited in the, apparently in the, in the snowy winter. <laughs> um, it was colder than you thought. It snowed up in Sedona. What yeah. was the highlight of your trip? The, the horse ride. Okay. <laughs> no, I said that for Nella. No, uh, uh, going to uh, Pizzeria Bianca, of course. <laughs> All right. So if you if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, if you're a new listener, I apologize for the next three minutes. But if you're a longtime listener, this will. Uh, I went to Mecca. Woo! Hey, Jonathan, you got to remind me. You went on and on about this pizza place. I can't even remember where you got introduced to this pizza place. Chef's Table is a Netflix documentary on chefs. It's been on for years. Yep. And uh, they had the original in season two, three, and four. And then they did desserts. And then I was sick last February. 
And Rachel said, well, since you're in the bed anyway, they've come out with a new chef's table. It's called pizza, which is my favorite of pizza. And the first one off the block was uh, this guy named Chris Bianco. The story was more uh, illuminating than necessarily going to Phoenix and eat his pizza. But uh, I should say illuminating. What was it about the story that captivated you? Oh, he's tracking what what my track is in my career. Yeah, he was 49 and had an epiphany where he couldn't cook pizzas anymore because he had asthma as a kid all the way through his life, and he got something called Baker's Lung, which is smoke and flour. His whole value was based in pizza making. He Uh, made every pizza, and then he was told, well, he couldn't make pizza anymore. uh, Yeah, it's like you couldn't preach anymore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was just a very cool story, inspiring story. He had to reshift at 50 years old to a different type of value system different type of interest and then you know everybody said it was the best pizza in the world so okay so so i never got to hear that part on the front end of the story like this cool part you just told me so the guy that founded serious eats if you if you go looking for recipes online you'll run into serious eats a lot so i guess the guy that founded it years ago did a book where he ate uh, a slice of pizza every day for a year in America and in Italy. And he said, after all of that, the best pizza he had was from Phoenix, Arizona, from Bianco Pizzeria. Crazy. Okay. Yep. So that's the setup for the story. Right. Yeah. So, but what I didn't get to hear was oh. the cool part you just told me about this guy having this lung issue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And not being able to cook his pizzas that he'd love to do. I would say go listen to it. It's got really, really colorful language. Yeah. He uses a couple words over and over again. So it's kind of hard for my little girl to watch it. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a really great story. If if you struggle with value and your identity, yeah, uh, it, it's just a really wonderful story from a very non-Christian perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of how we value so many things that yeah. we do. Sounds like a good sermon illustration. Oh, it's it's a beautiful... It brought me to tears the first time I watched it. Okay, it, so here's the question. You saw him. He showed... We stayed in line for 35 minutes, and I look up. It's a really small shop, really, really small little restaurant. I look up at the uh, at the espresso machine, and there is the man, the legend. So did Chris you talk Kim. to him? No, oh, I couldn't do it. I couldn't. Hey, I just, yeah, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't oh, do it. It was no. full of people. Everybody's ignoring him too. I was like, oh, I can't be the guy. I felt bad enough to bring my phone up to take. Did a you picture. say everyone was ignoring him? Yes, yeah, like he didn't exist. I'm like you included. <laughs> no, I was staring at him. I said, I dare you to make eye contact with me, Chris Bianco. <laughs> so that night, he created a restaurant called Trotto. So we went to Trotto. Okay, and so I said to the server, hey. Chris Henry said, you just missed me. Oh, uh, yeah. An hour ago. So. Oh, wow. Anyway, it's uh, it was fun. I didn't go. We did not go to Phoenix for that. What we, surprised you about Phoenix? How nice it, how nice the people were. Oh, yeah? How, you know, because I've been to really? plenty. Of, it's the fifth largest city in the nation, isn't it? Yes. It sounds about right. And we've been to a lot of large cities, and they're yeah. just not nice people. I got gotcha. you. And uh, we didn't run into we did not run into anybody at any segment yeah. of, of that whole area yeah. that was even somewhat not pleasant to be around. Yeah. No, I would say I would agree. <laughs> Phoenix is definitely a, a, a pleasant place. The What's interesting is individualism is huge in Phoenix. So it's kind of like kind of the, the wild, wild west mentality of don't anybody tell me what to do. Oh. 
And so from a church community experience, that's a little different too. Um, if, of, uh, you know, that a lot of folks are, uh, independent, you know, uh, but, uh, we, I, well, love well, I was only there for four there. days, rode a horse, I ate some pizza and got an escape room done. Uh, so I'm sure if I live there, there's always something to undercover. I'd love to show okay. you around. So Rachel texted me as soon as you guys landed. All right. Coffee shop recommendations for Phoenix. I didn't even know you guys were going. I was like, what? And so I gave, I gave her Berdina's, which you guys did not even go. We didn't go to a coffee shop. I'm so disappointed. We went to one that was right close to where we stayed, but we didn't, we didn't make it out to any. We did go did to. Did you go to Scottsdale? We did not go to Scottsdale. You didn't we, even go to Scottsdale? We went to Sedona in the cold and the sleet yeah, and the snow. Yeah, but you didn't drive over to Scottsdale? Are you kidding me? No. Well, we gotta go to, I got to go for another trip. Yeah, for sure. There's a good church down there I was going to go to, but I didn't go. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, it was a beautiful place. We had a lot of fun. and uh, we Well, were... Happy New Year to you and Rachel. But speaking of cold places, because we went to a cold place, you went to a cold place. Elliot and I went to Green Bay, Wisconsin. It In a... January. Going uh, it was to a Christmas Bay. present. <laughs> it was, a, you know, I, um, I'm sure. The things you way. do for your kids, Fred. I'm Yes, I'm sure you're this way too, but like. Um, I'm big on experiences for our kids mm-hmm. over like stuff, you yep. know. So this is what Elliot got for Christmas. You gotcha. know, it's Packers are his favorite team. He became a Packers fan because his cousin was a Packers fan, Patton Samuels. And uh I had no idea. I mean, I had I had literally no idea. I I mean, I couldn't tell you what Lambeau Field was. I just didn't grow up a big football guy. And now Jack and Elliot are both playing football. So I'm getting oriented to the game much, much more so. But uh, we flew into Milwaukee. We rented a car via Turbo. Have you ever heard of Turbo? Never heard of Turbo. Really? Scott Samuels, my brother-in-law, recommended Turbo to me. A rental it, car company? It would, Well, it's 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 kind of like Airbnb. You share a car. car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And I've heard of all this, but it was I've my first it. time using Turbo. Very... Very easy. Okay. Uh, cheaper than a rental car because they're not cheap. It was cheaper than a rental car. It was easier than a rental car. Okay. No waiting in lines. Got it. Excuse me, I got a cough. <coughs> so you just me. show up on 5th and Broad and pick up your car? Well, it was kind of at the airport. You know, okay. it was right there at the airport with instructions. But we flew into Milwaukee, drove up to Green Bay, and um, the tailgating experience before the game was... <laughs> Probably like like fifty percent of the amazement of it all. Uh, I'll try to post some pictures. Was on it Facebook cold? And it was frigid. Yes, there was snow everywhere on the ground, though it didn't snow while we were there. All the roads were clear, but snow was on. Or like at fifteen ri- degrees, ri- rivers were frozen. Because I can't there. imagine a tailgating experience being that fun if it was like twenty degrees. This is. I still haven't fully processed it. We just got back in eight eight o'clock last night. Oh, I th- okay. I thought you'd been back. No, no, no. I just got in at eight oh. o'clock last night. I still haven't fully processed it. Like they, they. Sh- I mean, there were people showing up. Uh, here's what I imagine. I, I think people from all over the region drive to go to Packers games, but it's a really unique ticket situation because. Like the Packers are like owned by Green Bay, Wisconsin. Like the people of Green Bay. In in I, I don't I don't want to talk about this too much because I know I'll get it wrong. But um, but every ticket belongs to a season ticket holder. Got it. 
like every ticket. Yeah. And they, they, you can, a season ticket holder can sell those tickets back to the Packers. And anyways, yes, it was absolutely frigid. <laughs> and the masses of people that were tailgating out in the parking lot beforehand. And we just, we just walked through the, all the tailgating and, um, I, you, you have to check my Instagram or Facebook later today and maybe tomorrow and see these pictures. We got some, some characters and, um, but we just kind of walked through and ate, like asked people, basically, you know, asked people if we could buy like a brat and they're like, Oh, here, we'll give you one, you know? So we had pork and brat and all this stuff. And, and then finally we went into the game. Yes, it was very, very cold. We had, the Parker family, real lifers, brought us some really warm clothes. Okay. And had they not brought us that warm clothes, it, it would have been frozen today. It would have been miserable. You've been a Green Bay popsicle. But the stadium is so unique. It's a very, very, very intimate experience. And it's like there's not a bad seat in the stadium, Lambeau Field. It's iconic. I mean, I, I'm learning. And uh, Sounds like you had an inspiring trip. It was good. It was really good. I mean, it was... You know, the <laughs> the guys in the hotel room connected to ours were loud <laughs> till three in the morning, and that was not quite inspiring, but I had to turn on my, like, pull-up sound machine on Spotify and turn up loud and put it over by the door, the connector door of the hotel. And at one point, like, one in the morning, I knocked on their door, and I'm like, guys, <laughs> you know, and they're, and they're, like, wide awake, like, Look like it's probably like old fraternity brothers catching up or something. I don't know. It, Lambeau Field, Packer, the Packers did, lost. I was about to say, I didn't even watch the game. So when was the game? It wasn't yesterday. Sunday night. Sunday night. Sunday okay. night. And they yeah. lost. And it was a big game when we bought the tickets. We didn't realize this. But it was a big game for the Packers because if they if they lost, I mean, if they won, they went to the playoffs. Kind of like the Titans. I kind of like the Titans, I guess. So, yeah, yeah. kind of like the Titans. So it was a great time. Great time. Highly recommend it. I, I told Elliot, I said, buddy, I probably would have never gone to a Green Bay Packers game at Lambeau Field had you had it not been your favorite team. And I said, I'm so glad I did. Well, it looks yeah. like you're going to be going seeing the Titans-Packers play again. Maybe, Lambeau perhaps. Field. We'll see. We'll see. What? Um, It's the new year. Yeah. So, like, how do you view a new year? Like it, love it, hate it. Oh, I love it. Fired up, get organized, do planning, aspire to set goals. How do you, how do you correct? You remember last year we set on January the third or fourth and had our podcast, and I was going to shoot a gun, and I was going to play the piano, and so yeah, I love. What do you call them? Do you call them just goals of the new year? You call them resolution? What do you call? Uh, I don't really call them you, anything. I just yeah. something I want to accomplish this year. Did yeah. you used to call them? Did you used to do probably new year's resolution? Resolution? probably a resolution? Oh yeah, I always yeah. said resolution. Yeah, usually yeah. always losing weight. Yep. I mean, I can't remember the last time. That I was an adult, that I didn't have one. I've got to get on the treadmill. I got to lose weight. Well, you've been, you had a season where you did lose weight. Oh yeah, and you've kept it off. Yeah, about five years ago, six. Five years, years ago, mm-hmm. how'd you lose your weight? Just quit eating and work out. You would you eliminate from your diet? Carbs, carbs are the enemy. Uh, you, carbs, carbs, you eliminated carbs. Bread carbs, bread carbs. Yep, pasta, bread, bread carbs, carbs. Mm-hmm. flour carbs. So you don't eat sandwiches? I don't eat sandwiches. I mean. Yeah, I don't eat sandwiches. I don't eat bread. I try not to eat pasta. I just don't try to eat all that stuff. Yep. But you ate at the pizzeria. I did. So how, and I ate a bunch so, of pizza at the so pizzeria. So how often will you eat bread? How uh, often? I don't, I mean. I, Twice a month? 
oh, no, I'll eat bread every day, but I just don't eat pro- prolific amounts of bread. Like, if I have a sandwich, I won't get a sandwich. I'll Jonathan, just, five years ago, how much weight did you lose? I lost, uh, I was 240, got down to 180. Yeah. And, and what's your fighting weight right now? Uh, about 185. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. What have you done to keep it off? I mean, like, okay, you just told me you don't eat bread carbs, and then you told me Exercise. you eat bread every day. No, well, I mean, eat bread every I mean, eat some kind of bread every day. It's really? Cracker, if it's a cracker or sliced bread. Uh, I work out. Yeah, you just have to. I, I learned this. My secret, it's not, I'm not a big workout guy, but I'm not a professional fitness person. So someone's going to say, Jonathan, that's just completely wrong. Okay. But it's just a good balance of cardio and muscle. So I learned that I had to gain muscle because it's constantly burning fat. If you just, if I just kept there, I used to run a lot and I was just running, 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 running. Yeah. You told me and then I salads and running and you were like, and and I would lose some weight, but I wouldn't keep it off. And then met a guy and he actually works for me now. And he said, you got to build some muscle. Yeah. Cause I had no muscle and, I don't have a lot of muscle now, but I have more muscle than I did. Let me see that bicep. Yeah. <laughs> I can make a jump. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so last year, though, you, you – so that was five years ago. Last year, shooting a gun, playing the piano, you did both. Going to shoot a gun again this year and uh, going to try to l- memorize a psalm oh, or a proverb every month. Memorize a psalm. One psalm per month for this 12 months. Or a proverb. Like, or a proverb. After, you, like a verse or a, or a chapter? No, a whole chapter. Proverbs are really long, John. I know. The Proverb 30, we did that on Sunday. Who has ascended? I don't even know it. Who has ascended to heaven? I was like, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. I've yeah. heard it you know, a billion times, and I looked at it. It's like 87 verses. Like, I'm not going to do some th- Proverbs 30. <laughs> take a little chunk. It's not 87, but... No, take uh, a little chunk. I'm working on Romans 8 right now. Who? Check me on it. Yes, what's Romans 8? I don't even know what Romans 8. Don't pull 8. up your Bible. Oh, check, check me on it. Okay, here we check go. Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. And then the next part is... Something about those who, who walk not, yeah, those those who walk in the not according to the flesh, not according, according to the flesh, the but by the spirit. Are that's great, Fred. That's four verses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, that's good. Romans eight is such a great chapter. But you're, what, what's your first psalm you're gonna? Work I, know, on? I knew you were gonna ask me that. I think Psalm one. We've been looking. Yeah, I think Psalm one. We'll just start off easy. Remember, <coughs> walk, stand, sit. We did that last beginning of last year. Walk, I think stand, it's sit. gonna be hard for you. I love it. Do you know why? Uh-uh. I think you're gonna get. <laughs> enraptured in like all the Hebrew words and all the poetry and so beautiful. it could help you. Like when you get tangled in the theology of Romans eight, say the bigger picture, it helps you memorize it. Yeah. When you understand what Paul's saying. Yeah. What else? So that's, that's that pretty it. much new year. That's all yeah. I can do. Do you, and do you and Rachel have a, we would really like to visit this place this year. Do you have that? We don't, I don't think. No, we don't. We no. just, um, next up, not next up. Just trying to, the last you, couple, three years have been a little bit uh, frenetic for us. Yeah. So we're maybe trying to. Define frenetic again. Uh, frenzied. Frenzy. Busy. Kind of like a Lambo field that's game. Why, that's why you're so passionate about the Shabbat. The Shabbat. Is because life is so frenetic for you. <laughs> Did I tell you how much Shabbat was great for me last year? It was really a, a really great study for me. So. Yeah. Um, let's see us. We did New Year's. We did Green Bay. We did Phoenix. 
What else we got on first segment? Oh, we're going to start talk. We'll talk about the last two weeks on Sunday. We had some guest preacher speakers. We did Sam Minear and Eric Malloy. Um, but I want to hit that second segment. Anything else we got? Catch the people. We can up. talk about some real life stuff when we uh, come back. Let's do that. Let's take a break. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. But man, don't we have a lot of excuses for why we don't honor the Lord with our money? You know, ministry takes money. And when you give, God's work is propelled forward. I want to ask you to pray today. Pray and ask God to strengthen your faith, to deepen your resolve, to invest in His work, in His ministry, Worship the Lord today through your giving. Make a sacrifice. Set up recurring giving so that even when you can't be present at church, your gift is present. Simply text MISSION to 97000 to set up giving today. Don't hold back. Don't wait. Give to the Lord. Hey, we are back JV, it is a new year. Happy New Year to you and to DJ Daniel Cox over on the board. And um, I love a new year. I love a new year. You didn't ask me in the last segment. Do you like New Year? About it's too late. <laughs> I'm too it's late. Too late, man. It's too late. It jumped right out of the box. Right. I could even next knock year, on it. Jonathan. Next year, next year. On <laughs> Already the know the answer. Podcast, I don't have you to can ask. reciprocate <laughs> that. Question. Hey, are you excited about the new? Do you have any resolutions? Do you call them resolutions? Um, I'll, I'll tell you that I'll just say that I'll say this, yeah. I'll say this and I, because this is very much worth giving God thanks for. I, a couple of months ago, I started working out Yeah, and just in God's providence, he linked me up with a young man named Grant Gursky. Grant Gursky. And Grant has been an absolute godsend. Grant, uh, is a fitness coach. Yeah. He is a, uh, and he's got a great online business. If you need something simple that's online, Grant is phenomenal. Grant has a super common sense approach. Uh, and so it resonates. It makes a lot of sense. And his much of his approach is to try to keep people from like the yo-yo dieting and mm-hmm. extremism. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. But long story short, I reached out to Grant. I knew him when... Long, long, long time ago. Now we're kind of reconnecting as adults. He and his wife go to real life. It's a great blessing. But he was having back surgery. So he was needing to come out of back surgery into kind of a really, like, tame workout. And I was like, that's perfect for me, you know. So it's kind of like his recouping and me starting back up. Jonathan, for the past 15 years, I would try to work out. I probably had, like, four different times where I got into a really great groove and then I would get injured yep. and I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how do I keep working out with this injury mm-hmm. and work around it. Like I just had no idea what to do because I was never working like intimately with a trainer. Yeah. Um, well, sure enough, work, working out with Grant, I hurt my shoulder a little bit and uh, uh, not because of his coaching, but just I was going at something and I'm 45 now, 45 years old. Young boy. And um, anyways, so Grant knew exactly how to isolate muscles. He encouraged me to go to physical therapy, which I'm doing for my shoulder, and I'm continuing to go. But uh, this past fall, 
is probably the most intense ministry season I've ever been in. Yeah. Uh, as we've had meetings upon meetings upon meetings, getting ready for the building. Correct. Meetings with architects, meetings with builders, meetings with donors, all the things. And um, working out with Grant was a godsend for me for de-stressing. Uh, and, um, and everything that we know that working out does for you, right? It's kind of like we all know it. It's not a surprise, but it, you know, if you're going to be your best, right? So my energy levels were super strong after starting to work out. Anyways, I say all that to say here I am going into the new year, not needing to start working out, but having been doing it for two years or two months, two years, that'd be great. Check back in, <laughs> check back in with me in two years. Um, I'm super, super thankful to God for that. Um, and that I'm not in a rhythm where when, when my shoulder flares up, I just quit because I don't know how to move forward with the injury. So thankful to God for that because he really orchestrated that. Um, and uh, so I went away. Uh, I went away on a study retreat after Christmas. Kind of crazy. Jack and I were headed to Orlando. That flight was canceled. And I was like, ah, I got to get out of town. Susan was looking for me, to, looking forward to me getting out of town. So, her, truth, was, which is that what you wrapped up in a box for? Her? Wrapped up in a box. What are you talking for, about? For you to get away. Is that what you got her for Christmas? You put it in no, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> so full of it. But seriously, it was kind of one of these deals where Southwest, sure enough, Orlando, December 20, 27th, flight was canceled. So Jack and I are headed to Orlando for a baseball thing. We decide not to drive. And we just let it be canceled. But then I'm going to be in town for the next four days. And if I'm going to be in town, I've got all these obligations that are already built in that mm-hmm. the family's doing and Susan's doing it. Yeah. And then like later on the 27th, she was in a little bit of a funk. And I was like, what's what's wrong? And she's like, well, I just had it on my mind that you were going to be gone the next four days. <laughs> I'm like, and she's like, I'm trying to readjust to, you know, you've anyways. I love getting away and planning for the new year. So I got away and just worked on sermon prep. And for the first time ever, like I came back with six outlines of sermons uh, through Ephesians. I'm so fired up, man. I'm so fired. I've never been, I've never been this far ahead. And I know that sounds crazy because most, most preachers that have been at it a while have learned how to be like a good three months, six months ahead. Um, I just never have been able to, do that i'm such a in the moment kind of a guy even in my prep like the urgency of sunday coming in the week of is you a little bit oh it, it, it so inspires me and it's mm-hmm. yeah um but man i'm so anyway so coming into the new year i'm already working out and i already have six outlines so man i don't know what my goals are i don't know what my big aspirations are for the new year i'm just thankful that those two things are firing praise god well, we missed you. I was gone the, f- uh, the first Sunday, actually the first day of the year. I was in Phoenix, but I was here last week, and I think we all missed you. But you had Thanks, two great, I hate to say replacements, but two great speakers, uh, Sam Minear. Uh, everybody knows Sam from uh, usually Next Steps or, or Welcome, uh, or just his jolly smile. When Sam he, and his wife, Julia, are our Next Step directors. Correct. So and then uh, he Eric, teaches the path. Eric Malloy, he spoke last this last Sunday. Uh, he is going to be leading real life Fort Campbell, which we'll hit on here at the end. 
Um, but they, anyway, they both spoke the last two weeks. And it was funny, you know, it's last year I was, I was actually went to lunch with Tim yesterday. I'd be Timmy. Um, <laughs> and I was saying how I spoke January 2nd. And I remember you sent a text to a few of us, I guess in December, early December. I remember I was sitting at the dinner table on a Saturday night with the family and I heard a text go off and we usually don't go get it. Finally, it just killed us. So say, what is it? Freddie's wanting to know what slots you want to preach. And so I jumped on, if you remember, I jumped on January the 2nd, uh, which was Sunday last year. Um, on the on maybe January second, can't remember. Yeah, and uh, did uh, did the kingdom period, the kingdoms of God. But anyway, long story short, it, it was my second stint at preaching, and then I did another one in the spring break when I was coming off of San Antonio. And it kind of you know, my brother was a pastor, is a pastor, and I've heard him prep for sermons, and I've heard him preach, and you know, you, it's just it's a different thing about when someone goes and speaks about something, but someone goes and preaches God word, God's word. It's just a different thing for sure. me. Sure, it's almost a sacrosanct. It's almost like this. What is that sacrosanct? Uh, it's that? a Roman thing. It just means it's very sacred. It's very okay. very holy. It's a gotcha. very set apart thing. Yeah, you're, it's not you're just God's messenger. That's right. But you, somebody does it every week across the nation, across the world. That's somebody right. every day. Somebody, God's work is vast. How is it so special? You know, so you start thinking through all this when you get on there and <laughs> preach. And so I guess now when I see a guest preacher, speaker, Tim or, or Eric in the past or, or Sam or Eric again, you start thinking, just what is preaching? And so I ask you, preacher, preacher boy. Yeah. What is preaching to you now after all these years and studying it? Oh, that's and, a big question. Well, I mean, but I mean, when someone stands on the stage and preaches, what mm-hmm. is the significance of that? Well, for me, it was for me, for me, it's a calling. I think, I mean, I think when God clarified my call to ministry, embedded in that call to ministry was a was a call to preach, a call to proclaim, proclaim the gospel, the good news. It's it's a it's a heralding. Um, it's not you know, preaching God's word and preaching the gospel is not just explaining it. Um, it's a heralding. It's it's announcing the victory that we have that is available in Christ. Uh, it is most definitely a sacred calling. Um, it, it 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 doesn't mean though that. Like you've preached, and I don't know that you would necessarily articulate that you've been called to preach. Yeah. Uh, so it's not exclusive for those that have um, dedicated their lives to the vocation of of preaching. Um, you know, I, there's there's a sense in which in, in the scripture we see that we're all ministers. Uh, anyone that's a turn to Christ and received the Spirit is a minister within the body of Christ. And the, and we see that there is an imperative for every Christian to evangelize, to share the gospel. And I think you would be hard-pressed. I think you'd be hard-pressed in the Scripture to, um, you know, Romans 10 says how, it says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message of Christ. How can they here then, unless someone preaches to them, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. So I think that there's a sense in which you you have kind of the, within the New Testament church, you kind of have the prophet figure of the Old Testament regularly preaching God's word. 
but then you have the function of the church preaching God's word to one another and to the world, uh, preaching the gospel to one another and to the world. Um, you know, so so there's the kind of the big P preaching in the congregation, and then there's the, the small P preaching where we're preaching God's word to one another and to the world all the time. Um, like one of my favorite one of my favorite verses on preaching is in Colossians one verse twenty eight. I'm going to read this. Uh, the Apostle Paul just describing his ministry, and one of the things I love about this is how he words it. He says, "Him we proclaim." So Paul there is talking about a group of people proclaiming God's word. That might have been his ministry team. He may have been referring to the full group of apostles. But nonetheless, he says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So why why do we... Why do I, That's one of the things I love is... A lot of times people would say, well, we proclaim the gospel so the lost can be saved. Well, that's true. As Paul said in Romans 10, how can they hear unless there's a preacher? Faith comes from hearing the message of Christ. But here we also see that the maturity of the church hangs upon the preaching of God's word. Paul said, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So 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 I would just say that you know the preaching is necessary for the church to mature. Preaching is necessary for us to be formed into the image of Jesus, for us to put ourselves under the preaching of God's word. It's part of how we're discipled, it's part of how we grow, it's part of how we mature. Um you know what's interesting is that Paul says it's foolishness to those that are perishing. The cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. So Preaching doesn't make sense often to to a uh, to a watching world. Well, I asked the question because, well, one, I've asked myself the question since I got on the stage and preached a couple, three times. I'm like, what is this? And so I think, you know, it's not just another part of the service. It is another part of the service. But I, I have always, and I still do, as you know, I listen to a lot of sermons. Um, and I just think that it is a very set-apart time no matter when I hear it, whether it's the morning or night or evening or during the day when I'm at work, I just think when, when someone comes and proclaims the preaching of God's Word, it's just a special moment. You know, it's not just any moment of your day. Um, and so anyway, I want to say that uh, for anybody that's never done it, um, it's just not easy to do it. It's not easy speaking. It's, it, it's, it's, uh, let me digress, and then I'll, I'll get back to this preaching. So Timmy and I had this conversation yesterday of, you know, I, I was nervous the three times I preached um, just because I'm up on stage, and I have the weight of what you just said. Well, you've got public speaking. you got the public speaking, but then you've got then the weight. But then you public speaking on behalf of God. That's right. You're, yeah. You've got the weight of one not screwing up what you're saying <laughs> and trying to exegetically or, or bring out the truth of what you're saying or what the Scripture is. So you don't want to mess all that up, and then you're trying to present it because, you know, you've got to make sure people understand. So it, there's just a lot going on. And even though I was nervous, I wasn't, like, shaking nervous. What Timmy asked me to do, like, Advent, and I mean, 
I said no, and the kid said yes, and I'm like, I don't want to do this, kids. He's like, yeah, we are, Dad. And if you see that, I, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast. I was shaking so bad. I had to get Max in front of me so I could put my hand on his back yeah. so I could actually read yeah, the and paper. He said, what are you doing? And he said, Dad, what are you doing? I mean, I mean, the microphone, I was shaking so bad. I mean, I hear it to this day. Last night, hey, hey, Dad, you remember when you were shaking on stage with the microphone? I was like, yeah. And so it's, it's such a wonderful, special moment for me the times I got to preach because you get the beautifulness and the weight and the glory of getting to tell people the the beauty of God's word, yeah. the the miracle and the glory of God's word. I didn't so, know you were going to ask me that question, and it's such a big question. You know, I mean, books have been written. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've taken like classes, whole semesters sure. of classes in preaching. You know, people get people get doctorates in preaching. You know, sure. and so. Well, you do a great job, and you know that. This is not about stroking oh, you. Oh, what a joy, and, and Sam man. and Eric Thanks, do bro. a great job. Did a great job. Um, so I, I just want to say that it's that when that time comes in the service, that's why it's so important that you come to church, but that you also, when that time comes, not that the music's not important, not the next steps is not important. It's all important. Well, it's, would, I would I would say though, our whole church is built around the centrality of the preached word of God. It shapes and informs everything that we do. Worship is a response to God's revelation of Himself. That's right. And preaching establishes that, you know, in our congregation. The, um, yeah, it, I, you know, the Christmas, the calendar this year was really odd. You know, so we had we we always do a Christmas Eve service. It's one of the most special services that we do all year. And then we had Christmas Day service, and then we had new. You know, so it was just it was a really really full. Uh, Christmas season. It's really interesting because I remember Jack, who was 15 at the time, now 16 and driving. We could talk about that today. Yeah. Uh, he turned 16 Christmas Eve. But when we were, it was probably like early December, and we were talking about the Christmas calendar, and he just commented, uh, he said, you know, like when I was explaining what it was going to be like, Christmas Eve at church, Christmas morning at church. He's like, Wow. That's a lot to have on your mind because he knows what happens at our house on Christmas morning and Christmas Eve and, you know, all those things, you know, and I was, it was one of the most rewarding moments that I've had as a dad pastor of my 15 year old going, like he literally said, wow, (laughs) you know, and um, I'm thankful that we have such a deep bench at real life of guys that want to get reps, guys that are wrestling with a calling to ministry, guys that are eager to preach God's word. You know, I mean, I I could think of four other guys right now that would would have loved to have preached on January 1st or January 8th, you know. And um, so I'm thankful for that. And But for me, what's exciting is part of our value, one of our values is equip and empower. So I, I love passing the ball to guys and, and giving them reps to preach because it's living into our value of equipping and, and empowering. And Sam did a great job. Uh, my 15 year old again, who was 16 at the time commented unsolicited that, uh, Sam's message was uh, like, he's really grown and developed as a preacher. Like it was better than, you know, before others commented on that too. And then Eric, you know, Malloy, he's our church planter going to plant real life. Fort Campbell. So he was sharing the vision of that. And 
I was thrilled they got to preach. Well, while you're there. Gave uh, me a couple weeks off. Yeah, so while you're there with Eric. So Eric did. It was more of a casting of a vision, mm-hmm, I think. He, mm-hmm. he got to roll in Luke 10, um, Luke 10 2, who's uh, very transparent of his walk in both just his Christian walk, but also his walk in ministry and being a church planter. Um, but, yeah, so if you didn't hear it, Eric Malloy kind of cast a small little vision of what's going on um, near the post at Fort Campbell and uh, all the new developments with the church that was there that has kind of handed the baton off for Eric now to begin the early stages of getting the core yeah. group for real-life Fort Campbell. Yeah. You know what was in—yes, I'm so thrilled. It, God's orchestrated this whole thing. Call you know, talk to Eric and hear the story, but I mean, God fast forwarded there on ramp a year. You know, God gave him a building, God gave him us to be their sending church. They wanted to be real life for Campbell. It's all just been kind of this beautiful unraveling of God's plan. What really struck me about Eric's message, you know, I listened to it yesterday driving from Green Bay to Milwaukee, and um. You you talked about his transparency. Well, he was super authentic. And what was really interesting to me was, <laughs> like, you know, I, I can't listen to something without um, evaluating it, right? And so as I'm evaluating his talk, I was thinking, you know, gosh, he really made the military in the planting of this church sound like just like um, like mental health care for the military. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if that was like the most attractive way to cast a compelling vision for people to want to be a part of it. You know, like, gosh, it just sounded like, like all these soldiers are, they're just all a mess. And, and in my mind, I was literally thinking, man, it's not our soldiers. They're the most like brilliant, brilliant and talented people like on the planet, you know, and like, like what they're accomplishing and all, you know, all these things. And I thought, you know what? This was so perfect that he articulated it in this way because I feel like I feel like he gave such an authentic picture of what it could be like rather than like a bait and switch kind of a, you know, like um you know, in in Ed real life Fort Campbell, you, you know, you you may encounter some of the most brilliant and talented people, you know, in these soldiers and um but you may deal with some lonely and difficult, you know, people in really difficult situations, having seen what they've seen and experienced what they've experienced and being as young as they are and the sacrifices that they're making and all of those things. Anyways, it was funny because as I was evaluating it, I then evaluated my evaluation, you know, like I'm like, no, like he actually, like that was actually perfect because I felt like it gave people the most realistic picture of what, they could experience at Real Life Fort Campbell. And he's thrilled. Eric is thrilled by the support of Real Life Sango, fired up. They've got a great journey ahead of them. And they're going to kind of shut things down at Real Life Fort Campbell. And then we'll have to get him on here uh, sometime uh, soon and, and let him share a little bit. So go listen to the probably the podcast right before this one. You'll hear Eric's uh, kind of a short, quick version of what the um, – vision of real life Fort Campbell is what your possibilities of engagement in, in some very intimate ways or very, very kind of small way. Um, but there's room there, um, during this new season for you to jump in and help Eric do that.
But speaking of people getting it done, you have grown from just Freddie when you came how many years ago, sitting in a parsonage across town, to now you've got like a beautiful, wonderful, intelligent, efficient, productive team. Oh, real life team. Real life team. Yeah. You know, this morning, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because in my notes while I was away, I'm wanting to like craft an email with all of our teams, like pictures with a description of what they do and how you can pray for them. But let me just like, let me introduce you to our team real quick right now. Um, so Pastor Tim Newsbomber is, is our associate pastor. And, um, you know, so, so as, as, as our only associate pastor, in that role, he's very much a director of operations, but a pastor. So he's leading, overseeing community groups. Uh, he's helping run projects with our architects right now. Um, he will eventually oversee assimilation. He's wearing lots and lots of hats. If if an insurance issue comes up, he's wrestling it to the ground, troubleshooting all things. He leads our ministry teams. Um, so he's responsible for anything outside of the worship center on Sunday morning uh, running smoothly. That's Pastor Timmy's area. And um, uh, he just joined our staff team last year, and we're thrilled to have him and Robin and their two kids uh, at Real Life. So that's uh, Pastor Tim. And uh, then you have DJ Daniel Cox. Daniel Cox. Uh, married to Cecile and um, – They've got a couple of kids not living. Their kids aren't here, but maybe trying to rope one of them in uh, here. But uh, Daniel, we just um, expanded his role, uh, and now his title is Minister of Congregational Care and Videography. Um, And so Daniel is overseeing our comprehensive ministry to care for the congregation outside of community groups. Um, So... While there's a large portion of real lifers that are in community groups, there's a large portion of people that aren't. Um, and so Daniel's making sure that those individuals are cared for, in particular in crisis or big life moments. Um, so big life moments, having a baby, crisis, having surgery, you know, those kinds of things. And he's doing a phenomenal job at that. We really tested that mm-hmm. out last year and then made that official coming into this year. And um, and then he's helping us tell the story of all things. You know, uh, dig- digital media is a really big deal in today's time, and Daniel's really gifted at that and helping us tell that story. Jeanette Smith, the longest-standing uh, real-life staffer. Jeanette is our real-life kids director, doing a phenomenal job. We just continue to get amazing reviews of real-life kids, the impact that it's having on families. Jeanette's married to Paul. They have three boys and um, longtime friends with Jeanette. And she's doing a great, great job with real life kids. Uh, Lauren Davis. Uh, Lauren is interesting because she was a part of our launch team and then um, uh, moved to California with her hu- her husband, got married to Alex. And, um, and they just recently moved back. So she joined our staff team last year. And Lauren is my executive assistant and our Real Life Babies Through Pre-K director. And if you've not met Lauren, you've got to meet her. She's absolute gold. She's like the best blend of like super organized and super godly and personable. 
And um, so she's already added incredible value in her role uh, on our team. You have Steve Hanschel, and Steve is our worship director. And um, uh, Steve, um, I think we call Steve our worship coordinator is his official title. I try not to get too caught up in titles. It's not that important, you know, what people's titles are as much as it is who they are and what they're doing. But um, Steve was kind of coordinating all things administratively last year. And somewhere around the summer, he just took a ton of initiative and began to do a lot of things that like a, a worship pastor would do. And he began to do them with skill and effectiveness. And And so right now he leads our worship ministry and does a great job. He's, um, uh, S- Steve doesn't have like a background in musical theory, so that's not his sweet spot. Um, but he has a heart of a worshiper, has a heart of a worship leader, and he has such a kind of a, a grandpa feel to the to the worship team. Um, the worship ministry is a ministry that could have like, uh, how do I word this? A lot of worship ministries have like divas, you know, where it's all about them. And Steve has a way of working with people that just diffuses that and um, casts a big net. And so... Uh, he's able to bring a lot of people in and cultivate really good harmony, <laughs> not literal, but like relational harmony um, with the people. And so, you know, we haven't had a lot of turnover in our worship ministry. I think that's a real testimony to Steve's leadership because that's usually a ministry that has lots of turnover, you know. Um, Sam and Julia Minear lead our uh, next steps. They're our next step directors. They're volunteer Strictly volunteer. Steve Hanchel's very, very part-time. Uh, Lauren's full-time. Jeanette's part-time. Daniel's now full-time. And um, uh, Pastor Tim is full-time. Uh, Sam and Julia serve like they're full-time, but they both actually have full-time jobs elsewhere. They they make such a profound impact on our ministry. They love it so much. They're just, they're just quintessential real-lifers and... Um, they lead the path. They oversee everybody's first steps coming into the church. They establish workflows in our database so that we can track with people as they as they're new. Um, Alex Morris is our new missions pastor, and Alex is uh, has a full time job elsewhere, so he's just volunteering his role. It is a call to ministry in his life. He's been to seminary, and so um, we really want to utilize Alex in every way that we can in his role as missions pastors. It's really more of a developmental role for him than it is a, you know, hey, we found the best missions pastor in the land and he's leading our church into mission. It's it's really a, a place for Alex to grow and develop as a leader and as a pastor. And um, and so uh, he's, uh, let's see, so then I think, let's see, we've got Nick Boyd is our intern. And Nick's been with us for a long time now. And uh, uh, it's been so, such a joy to watch him grow. And Nick wears lots and lots of hats. And Nick's getting to the place where he's going to be able to be entrusted with areas of responsibility. He's he's really just kind of been the gopher guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's really grown into the area. Let's see. Daniel, did I miss any staff people? Yes. Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on, let me, hang on, hang on. You're going to steal my thunder. I'm going to steal your thunder? Well, hang on, hang on. Ha <laughs> ha. 
The newest. Claude. <laughs> Claude's here. That, Claude, I just, got to hug Claude. You just broke people's <laughs> earbuds in your microphone. <laughs> Claude. I mean, I saw him. I jumped name, out of my chair on Sunday. His name is Clay I Knight. said, Claude, well, you're here. I got to hug Claude. It's like he's actually a real person here. Clay is our newest <laughs> staff member. He started January 1st. Clay Knight is our new student minister. <laughs> And uh, he gets married in February to Millie, and um, they'll go on a honeymoon, and they'll come back. And Clay has already hit the ground running, doing a great job meeting people, getting oriented. And um, I think Clay just feels like real life, you know, and one of the big things you look for is chemistry. And it seems like the chemistry part is really, really strong. And um Hey, if he can be called Clyde and smile and give me a hug back, he's got to be a great can guy. Can you tell me where Clyde came from? Know. Where did you? I don't know. It's just so much fun. You know, I make little pet names for everybody. He's yeah. just always going to be a Clyde to me. Yeah, so <laughs> and, uh, we're super excited Clay is here. If you see him, give him a hug. Tell him you're glad he's here. Shoot him a note, Clay, at reallifesango.com, and let him know how thrilled you are. That was a, a long, prayerful journey, and um, we're was so fired up. He had his first real life student night, uh, Sunday night. And Timmy said it went really, really well. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, yeah. so Clay's going to fit in just fine. You know, there's a couple other folks that, that help out in you know a variety of ways from time to time. We'll have seasonal interns, but, um, Beth Crawford, uh, uh, counts money and inserts it into the database on, uh, Monday mornings. Um, so Beth is, I guess you would say she's on staff for that. And then Polly Fields oversees uh, uh, community group child care. So, um, and you could probably, this is, this is one of the, you know, Timmy said one of the things that was one of his biggest, like not surprises, but the overwhelming thing that he saw when he came to real life last summer was how many people were so involved <coughs> in the ministry of real life. Yes. I mean, you could go on for day. I mean, I got a note in the mail of encouragement this week. I don't know who wrote it. Awesome. Uh, you know, just appreciative. It was 15, 20 words. It was just very, very nice. And so, I mean, you could go on. This is why real life, this is why we were attracted to real life, because it's hands and feet of Jesus. Everybody's all in. There's very few people that are just like, yeah, it's okay. They're not in a team. They're not on a committee. They're, it's just because they want to be involved. Yeah, man. I mean, you got people walking around with that little earpiece in their in their yes. ear because they're just making sure everything's safe for us, yes. at least the best we can. So if you're not involved, if, the, if this last 10, 15 minutes didn't inspire you, get involved in any, there's so many ways to get involved. And if you don't know, I know we just finished the path or in the middle of the path. Uh, When the next path comes up, jump in, join, get involved. This is what God is calling his church to do is to be involved with the church and for the ministry um, of, of showing the people of how great Jesus is and the love he's got for them. One of the biggest joys that I have is watching the army of people that serve at real life. And it's, um, it's, it's fun. It's almost like with our staff team, it's almost a game, you know, in the sense of like, I'm always talking to our staff of like, could someone else have done that? Could someone else have done that? Could someone else have done that to live into our value of equip and empower and we'll come up, we'll, we'll come to that soon in Ephesians, where that phrase comes from, of um, God gave to the church, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, for, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And when a church is functioning as God designed it, 
you're seeing exactly what I think God designed is is an army of people all carrying the load together. And there's much to rejoice over, brother. And I thought you came up with that value out of your own head. No, you didn't. You're so full <laughs> of it. Hey, man, 2023 is going to be a historic year for our church. Um, we are going to break ground and uh, on a new facility. And, you know, the building ain't the building. The building's just the house of bricks where the builder's going to build his building, right? But... Uh, breaking ground is it's going to be a, a historic milestone for our church and so let's anticipate the attack of the enemy let's ante- anticipate resistance that would come let's let's prepare for uh you know people articulating their opinions and um about all things and let's just be ready to say with humble gentle confidence jesus is leading the way here and Jesus is having his way here. And Jesus has a really bright and big future for us, establishing roots in Sango so that we become a, a launching pad for the nations. You know, when the, on our launch Sunday at Real Life, we sent Jacob Miller to Zimbabwe. So the very first official gathering of our church, we, we prayed for him on stage and sent him to Zimbabwe. And I think that that was a picture of the kind of church that we're going to be. And I think that's why it's going to be so special, us building this building this year. And so what will that what will that take from us? Well, it's going to take all of us. It's going to take all of us invested with our heart in God's work. And so it's already started. Um, the pulling in a hundred different directions, uh, Susan told me last night, about these two girls that are playing volleyball and are going to miss Disciple Now. Disciple Now is like the epic student ministry event that comes up in February every year. And um, we're going to be pulled in a hundred different directions. And I just want to encourage our people, uh, as Daniel Cox prayed before the podcast, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all the things that we worry about, they'll be added to us. God's going to take care of us. It's going to be, it's going to be a phenomenal year. Look forward to it. Yeah, man. Yeah. Why don't you pray? Why don't you pray for real life? Why don't oh, look you pray at me, for putting me on the spot. Twenty twenty three. Lord, you, thank you. You so asked me what is preaching. Lord, th- oh, you told me to ask you. I thought, <laughs> Lord, thank you so much for this uh, for this congregation that you have set up. Uh, before you set up the creation, you knew what we would be doing in Clarksville, and thank you for Freddie's leadership and the stress. And the human worries that will come along with building this building and leading people, but give Freddie and his team the contentment and the leadership, understanding that what we're doing this for is to bring you ultimate glory. And that one day when all this burns up, we will sit before you glorifying your name. Help us keep it all in perspective. Watch over us and protect us. In your name we pray. Hey, brother. Amen. Till then, keep hey, it real. Keep it Jesus. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.